happy December. Happy December, December 1st. Family Karma fam, we love you guys. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, we're excited here. We're back from Thanksgiving break. We have a few great episodes coming up this month. The countdown. The countdown begins. The end of 2021 is here. Uh, good riddance. I know that <laughs> I sounds know. really negative. I'm kind of like, <laughs> <laughs> like, bye. Bye bye. Bye. I actually don't think I know anyone who'd be like, oh, this was a great year. I mean, there's oh, yeah. probably some asshole out there that's the And case. you know what? If if you say, if you say, you know what, today, this year was not my year, and someone co- like interjects and says, you know what, I had a great year, slop them. <laughs> <laughs> right? Well, it's like, <laughs> maybe just like walk away. Don't slap them. I yeah. guess that's like, I always say slap them, but I, it's figurative. Yeah, just figurative like, you slap. Know, like, Give him a blank stare and like turn and walk away. (laughs) It's so hard when like you're just trying to be real and someone interjects like they're like super optimistic. Yeah. I think that's how people relate to each other often is like, I think sometimes people learn like, oh, the way to relate to what someone has just told you is to tell you how you feel about the same topic Mm. when it's sometimes like, no, maybe they just need some compassion. When was the last time that, that happened to you, if you don't mind me asking. My mom does it all the time. Like, for example. um, Like, oh, you know, like something simple. Like, I always ate mashed potatoes growing up. And then I'll be like, mm-hmm. oh, well, my family also ate m- potatoes growing up, like in mm-hmm. this way, blah, 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 or whatever. Like, that sounds very trivial. But like, sometimes when it's like a, a serious topic, it can yeah, feel like, oh, you didn't hear what I said. You don't care what I yeah. said. Now you're just talking about yourself. Yes. But I've noticed that, like, I think that's just how she thinks we should relate how to, to one connect. another. Yeah. yeah. And I think yeah, a lot yeah. of people do that. A hundred percent. Without realizing that, like, no, that just sounds like you're not listening to me. Or just like, <laughs> and you know what? I have to admit, like, I was someone who thought to connect with people that I had to interject mm. myself into the conversation. I will admit that. And I think like through a lot of like therapy and just kind of trying to understand people and I realize, and I, maybe I still, I probably still do it, but like, I realize that's just not the way to connect to people. Yeah. I think we all, or not the way I want to connect to people. Yeah. And I think that like, I'm not saying this thing. I never do that myself because I know I do that myself. Um, I think like, it's just, it's interesting when you like want to relate to people and you're thinking about how to the best way to do that. And yeah, but so sometimes the best thing to do is just to tell someone like, hey, that didn't yeah. that, like hurt my feelings or whatever. Or I'm listening or, yeah. you know, I, I think it's interesting because I learned, you know, through my program, um, when people are in a time of crisis, I might have said this on the podcast before. Yeah. The one thing they need, say like if, this sounds so terrible, but their house just burned down. Yeah. Their for, first point of contact for like uh, any kind of therapy or emotional support. Mm-hmm. They just need to be able to talk and the other person to listen. Yeah. And that has stuck with me so much mm-hmm. because, again, like I was someone... I was raised by like narcissism and stuff like that. So it was always like interjecting yourself into yeah. any sort of conversation. And that really like hit me of just like, oh, yeah, like people just need someone to talk to and for them to listen, especially in times of or just like saying, yeah, that sucks or congratulations. Yeah. Yeah. Just a little bit of 
empathy, I think. Yeah. So speaking of empathy, um, <laughs> we recorded the interview we we're about to to play for you all um, a couple weeks ago before the break. It was with Wajahat Ali, who is a man of many talents, but um, one of which is writing. And he recently wrote a really beautiful op-ed in the New York Times called how to teach a little girl to love her brown skin. Mm. And it really spoke to me and I'm sure many other brown women and men in this country and around the world. And, um, you know, he just, he talks a little bit with us about kind of how that article came to be. But then we also just talk about a lot of other things when it comes to being brown in America, um, anti-racism, a whole slew of topics and um it was just like a great conversation we only had like just over 30 minutes to speak with him but he does have a book coming out in january the name of his book is go back to where you came from and other helpful recommendations on how to become american um going on sale in january we're gonna read it and have him back on the podcast um i also want to say that you know i think the thing I love interviewing people. And one of the reasons why is I, I just love where the conversation unexpectedly takes the group. Uh-huh. And, um, you know, we started the interview thinking we were going to talk about this topic and it ended up being about, you know, what's going on with vaccinations and COVID and how important it is. You know, I will not say this enough to get vaccinated, especially, you know, we're learning about we had this discussion before the variant came out that um, hopefully will not set us back too much, you know, in our COVID progression. Yeah, but there is a chance that it will. And and so it's just like, I don't know, I feel like everything I say these days is just a PSA, get vaccinated, tell other people to get vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. And we talk a lot about why in this interview right at the top so yeah we're gonna talk about a lot of really great stuff in this interview it's definitely worth a listen um i'm gonna say this is part one hopefully of other conversations we'll have with him i really suggest that you check out his website um waj ali w-a-j-a-l-i dot com and you can see all about all the great stuff that he's doing really wonderful conversation we hope that you enjoy it and thank you all for being a part of our family as we get into the end of the year and please enjoy this interview with Wajahat Ali Hello, how are you? Good, how are you? And I'm trying my best because my kids are virtual learning and it's like three kids, so forgive me. There no worries. Be, there might be joyous chaos in the background, but I'm trying my best. We uh, we both have children who, and yes. your kids are home right now, Deanna, so you know it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, like right. And you guys yeah. mind if I uh, drink chai? Do we oh, mind? Come 100%. On. <laughs> <laughs> My yeah, so my daughter, my daughter is uh, uh, well, so they both got the my son and my daughter both got the vaccine finally, the first shot, and I think they're set mm-hmm. up to go back in a week and a half. But uh, because she's immunosuppressed, we had to virtual yeah. school her. And mm-hmm. my son, my son, if he, I mean, if he went and got exposed, so that's why both of them have virtual schooled. So, so I have I have an interesting life, but it's all good. They're safe. You know, I saw that you wrote an article. I didn't actually read it, but it was about why people need to get vaccinated for your daughter who is immunocompromised. And um, 
I'm wondering if you could just kind of elaborate a little bit on that for our listeners. Sure. So uh, thank you so much for having me. Uh, I have been, I've written several articles like this over the past two years because, you know, we're living in an interesting time in 2021 America where apparently people hate vaccines and masks during a pandemic that has killed over 800,000 Americans, which is a low estimate and over 5 million people. And we forget the fact that all of us had to get vaccines to go to school, uh, which is why we don't have measles and mumps and rubella. And we also forget the fact that the vaccine mandates were ruled constitutional by the Supreme Court and even George Washington. The father figure, the OG American, the real American, because we're not real. He, the, he's yeah. the real American from the heart <laughs> of the South. Uh, he even told his troops, you better get vaccinated. So I always want to put that in context because this is a manufactured controversy that has really kind of gone mainstream and international in the past five, 10 years to the point where they say vaccine hesitancy, according to the World Health Organization, is a top 10 global wow. threat. And we're making measles great again, right? And so for 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 that reason alone to save yourself uh you want to get vaccines but when my daughter is concerned you you get vaccinated to save others and so you might say like aaron Rodgers, i'm immunized and joe rogan's mm -hmm. like look at my neck it has mm -hmm. muscles uh great i'm glad you're taking invermectin and horse dewormer and if you got COVID, nothing happened to you but you don't know what's happening to the elders you don't know what's happening to immunosuppressed people like my daughter who survived stage four cancer you don't know what's happening to people who have underlying conditions and what happens to them is even if you don't have the symptoms, you spread the disease. Yeah. And that's why so many of our elders have died. That's what people yeah. don't realize. I think there was like the, the stunning number was like 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 a quarter of uh, of seniors above the age of 85 have been affected yeah. by coronavirus. And then now we're witnessing the people who are young and healthy, they have long COVID. Mm -hmm. So yeah. all this gnarly stuff's happening to them. And like they're like, what's happening? And like we're still trying to figure out. The, 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 and then what Delta showed us is that it doesn't matter if you're quote unquote young and healthy, you too can end up in the ICU. So, mm -hmm. you know, I, I talked about our, my wife and I, you know, we've been under lockdown for two and a half years because mm -hmm. the first seven to eight months was our daughter's stage four cancer and her liver transplant. And as soon as she rang the bell, and for those of you who've known someone who's gone through cancer, ringing the bell means you're cancer free. Two weeks after that, we're like, my wife and I exhausted after oh this in, in, in ordeal, yeah. you can imagine. We're like, what are we going to do next? Yeah. And then the pandemic <laughs> hit. So, so it's, you know, it's first world problems because we're all alive. Everyone's healthy. But that's why I tell people is you get vaccinated to save a girl who fought like hell to survive. Yeah. That's why you get vaccinated. Yes, totally. Do people email you that are anti-vax about your experience? The nastiest and ugliest email. Look, if you looked in my inbox. Mm or my messages or Facebook, you would be like, <laughs> wow, a lot of economic yeah, anxiety. Okay. Uh, I mean, ugly, go back to where you came from. F a oh my Muslim, this. You're the racist. How dare you call us white supremacists? Now let me act like a white supremacist. Yes. Ugly, ugly stuff. But the, the reason why I mentioned that is the nuttiest, most unhinged, borderline violent comments I get is whenever I do a piece on masks and vaccines wow. like nothing comes wow close. wow the nuttiness is like like hall of fame nutty Ugh. level do you feel like um i'm assuming well i shouldn't assume have you been to pakistan and south asia i have many times okay. since i was a kid so yeah. same my family's from india and um you know i've been going since i was a kid and i feel like before the pandemic we i live in boulder colorado which is an anti-vax haven, this mm -hmm. phenomenon amongst, you know, 
white privilege, granola suburban, yeah, white. airy fairy yeah. wellness type folks. There's a lot of it here, and and they vacation. Can I just add in India and go to you know uh, Ganges like, and drink from the Ganges River? Yeah, because, yeah. Like, and just like where expats go <laughs> to you know get Ganges. spiritual healing. <laughs> Anyway, no, sorry to interrupt. I, no, Indra. I, I, no, just to, just, uh, just uh, I want to uh, just to add on to your story is I'm originally from okay. the Bay. Okay, uh-huh. so you I moved know. To Virginia for my wife ten years ago, <laughs> and in the Bay, we're talking about like some of the. I mean, I don't even know how people afford it anymore. But like, I grew, I was born and raised there. But the same thing is like the upper class, mm-hmm. educated, super wealthy suburban enclaves where it's almost like you're listening to like right-wingers. Yeah. Like, I don't yeah. know about the vaccines. Yeah. I'm doing homeopathy <sighs> and like, I'm going to go drink raw sewage water <laughs> and I'm going to be like free. And I'm like, these are edgy. Like, so like yeah. the, the, the stereotype that it's like Cletus, the slack jawed yokel from Simpsons. No, it's like mm-hmm. Rebecca who like leads yoga yeah. mm-hmm. uh, and drinks organic chai tea, which translates to tea tea. Oh my gosh. I have so much more that I want to ask you about that, but just, to finish out my story. So I was pregnant yes. and I was talking with a coworker and two questions came up. I was having a son around, um, oh my gosh. Oh my gosh, <laughs> it's escaping me. Um, was it the water comment that you're referring to? Oh, someone made the- a comment about water, but um, but one of the questions was, are you gonna vaccinate your son? I'm like, mm-hmm. you're even, asking me this and but mm-hmm. I was like okay we're gonna engage in this conversation she had her father was in Vietnam was immunized in a specific way before that and ended up having ALS and apparently she had read lots of studies about how mm-hmm. many people had developed this because of this so there was that part of her story she's also like in this wellness space hypochondriac like stuff like that and, um, you know, this was when those measles outbreaks were like happening really. I mean, they're probably still really bad, but they were kind of just broken through. And, you know, she's like, I don't know if I should get him immunized for this and whatever. And I th- I was like searching in my brain for like, how do I respond to this? And I was like, you know what? Mm-hmm. I grew up going to India, which is a developing country where people die from very preventable disease all the time. And vaccination is a very easy and safe way, safe way to save millions of people's lives. And I've just seen that my whole life. I believe in it and I'm going to vaccinate my son. And I just felt like that experience is something that like has shaped my feelings about public health a lot. And I'm curious if you've had Mm -hmm. anything similar. Yeah. So my wife is a doctor. She's a family, uh, family medicine doctor in particular. And so she has told me stories over the past two years, how this has increased from her patients. Cause what you get often, and I'm sure you guys have heard this in the last like two weeks, right? Especially with the the vaccines I got approved for five to 12 year olds, which is huge for my kids. Like they were on the first day. Same, same. And so my, and my kids, look, it's amazing. My kid is seven and five. Mm -hmm. They know about COVID. They know why it's dangerous. They know how vaccines work. They always wear a mask. They look at each other Mm. to wear a mask. They always sanitize the first thing they get in the car. They social, like my kid is seven and five and they get this right. And so my, uh, I remember the story that just like was two weeks ago when we got the vaccine and someone said, Oh, but I've heard something. And I'm like, so where did you hear it? Oh, I read it somewhere. I'm like, did you by chance read it in some article someone sent you on WhatsApp or Facebook? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And someone said that there might be side effects. 
I'm like, what side effects? And I was gentle, not sarcastic. And this shows you the, the power of disinformation mm. and the power of the lack of faith that we're having in our establishments and the mistrust and how it's been amplified specifically by one political party in particular, but also yes. how it has seeped through the mainstream. And in these enclaves, these bubbles that we have, there are not just right-wing bubbles, like what you said, this yep. older bubble, yeah. the wellness yeah. bubble, the suburb suburban bubble, because at the end of the day, as parents, we want to protect our children. And so why, if, if someone, put, there's an Arabic word called waswasa or whisper. If someone puts in a whisper, that's all mm -hmm. it takes. I'm in, I'm in Virginia right now, CRT. I, I, I was warning people about it since the summer. I said, the CRT panic's going to spread like wildfire. You guys are not taking it seriously, even though CRT is not taught. But it's around parents. Parents are like, oh my God, do you know what they're teaching our kids? Oh no. Do you know what they're giving in the vaccines? Oh no. I've heard there's a reason why there's so much autism now. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, maybe... It's because they're finally identifying it. Yeah, <laughs> you know? yeah, and, exactly. And, 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 and the one article that you've used got deep. My wife, being the doctor, says the one article that they rely upon has been debunked. The overwhelming data. But my wife says, and I'm glad you. you, you uh, your name is in, uh, Indra. Indra. Indra again, right? Uh, Indra, you know, you 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 took an approach, and my wife takes it. She sp spends time. She talks to them. Mm -hmm. She's very empathetic. And she says, well, let me tell you another alternative. And let me tell you another story, right? Mm -hmm. And she says, some of those people, it loosens them up, at least to entertain getting the vaccine. And Kaiser did this study a couple of months ago that said, what are the three reasons why people finally get vaccinated? Those who are unvaccinated get vaccinated. First of all, they hold off because of these concerns. Mm -hmm. Then when they see people in their close community and their close ties get vaccinated mm -hmm. and like kind of say, oh, I got vaccinated, that type of echo effect. They're like, okay. And then the third reason, and people might not like this, but as parents, sometimes you got to use a stick when they realize they can no longer do things that they want to do due to vaccine mandates. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, I think it's interesting. Like the, so I'm from New York and what happened with, uh, you know, the employees of New the New York city government of how, you know, it was just the line was drawn of if you don't get vaccinated, you don't have a job. There you go. And, yeah. and again, and we caved in and we caved in briefly to the temper tantrum. It's like <laughs> caving into the temper tantrum yeah. of your toddlers. And sometimes a child is most loud, loud right before it's put to bed. And remember the the protest and it was on Fox News. And then what yeah. happened? 95%. Yeah. Said, hold that paycheck. Like, you remember United Airlines? How dare United Airlines do this? But you got to give credit where credit's due. I can't believe I'm praising an airline company. <laughs> United, United was first. And they said, we don't care. We're giving you this date. And only 300 employees said, like, no. So they had a, they had a vaccination rate as a result of the mandate of 99.5%, which protects them, yeah, protects yeah. everyone else, protects their family members at home, protects their elders, protects babies, protects immunosuppressed folks, flattens the curve. And makes makes it m more likely that we don't get a Delta variant or like what's the next letter? I'm not I'm freaking. I don't want to learn any more Greek alphabets. But like, you know, <laughs> yeah, gamma. Omega <laughs> uh, but, but it's it's hard. You know, this, this is the thing is is like if you look at U.S. vaccination, we're at sixty percent, which is far lower than I most know. industrialized countries. And who would have thought in 2021, vaccinated people who in their lifetime have seen or like have read about polio, yes, mm. measles, mumps, rubella. Are like nah, I'm gonna flirt. Not even vaccine masks. Nah, my freedom. Yeah, I have I have the right to. I'm like I have the right not to wear a mask. And I'm like, well, I have the right uh, to protect my child from your pro death cult. So yes. that's my take on that. Yes, that's a hard line that I agree with. Deanna, you were yeah. gonna say something. Um, I I think I f I forgot my train of thought. Okay, <laughs> you're talking about 
you were talking about mandates in New York and how they, they were working, which then inspired my rant. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I forget where I was going to go uh, beyond that. But what what you're saying is, um, you know, it's it's interesting because so I grew up in the medical world. My dad's a doctor. And, um, you know, I just grew up with, you know, science is real, you know, the medical profession is that way for a reason and you get as much education and you learn about the body and you learn about vaccinations. And I think it's interesting because, um, you know, we, we, we've gone back to certain things that, that I question. Um, and I just think now I remember my, what I was going to say, the, the privilege of someone to turn down a vaccination, mm. whereas other parts of the world, yeah. people are waiting in yeah. lines for days right. and you know sacrificing so much just for the opportunity to possibly get yeah. this one vaccination and and just recognizing the privilege that people have in this country um to turn something like that down that's a very good point and i'm glad you mentioned it i think indra was also talking about india and fox i mean they're like you said like many countries around the world developing countries, they're begging big pharma to mm -hmm. release, you know, these vaccines to save themselves. And then isn't it just a, such a stunning and damning indictment that in America, there's too many vaccines and people still won't use them, <laughs> mm -hmm. which is why the pressure was on Biden. I'm glad he, he, you know, committed to this is like, all right, if you got so much and no one's going to use it, send it, send it to mm -hmm. these countries. Yeah. We're so wealthy. We send bombs usually uh, from planes. Yeah. Let's send vaccines. Uh, and but then the, the, it, it is painful as an American to 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 just sit there with both realities that right. we have an abundance of vaccines that people won't use that we're throwing away. I've heard of instances where they have them at the end of the day and they just toss yeah. them out, and it's just the ramifications and what that symbolizes to me is so heartbreaking. Yeah. Um about this country and and where we've gone in the last x amount of years where we're at we're almost down with done with 2021 and this is where we're at and and of course you know when we were living through those terrible four years of the politician who will not be named <laughs> um you know just of the the ptsd that we're all experiencing that this bleeds into well the mistrust um, there's just the mistrust, mistrust everywhere um, but you know, don't you feel like uh, last thing I'll say? Yeah. Uh, uh, the, it's like if you if you read religious texts, just stories. You don't have to be religious, but yeah. like all the old books, Old Testament, New Testament, Quran, a a any text. There's parables and lessons, and I feel sometimes when you look at what's happening in America, like you, you ever like read. Okay, I, as a Muslim, but mm. you, if you watch Ten Commandments, right, which everyone has because <laughs> yes. it's American birthright. Like you sit there and you go, you know. If I saw a dude with a staff throw down and swallow up other staffs and frogs come from the sky and blood <laughs> in the water and, you know, then like the Red Sea parts and he says, yo, just wait for 40 days. I'm going to come mm -hmm. down. I probably believe him. I don't know. That's just me. <laughs> yeah. You know, but, but then but then like you see and the reason why I mentioned that is like you see like why that couldn't happen. You see like how throughout time human beings have just been like ignorant, self-destructive. Like, you literally see a virus kill over 800,000 people. You see people literally end up in the ICUs. You see a Delta. Even mm -hmm. after it went down, then like nature, fate, God, Hismat is like, let me give you the Delta variant. And even then, despite all this, people are like, you know, I'll take a horse dewormer instead. Yeah. Yeah. Wild. Or just like, you know, the thing that Indra and I always talk about is having a, with the Boulder, these crunchy communities um, that we've all encountered is having a Black Lives Matter sign on your front lawn and, um, 
you know, not protecting vulnerable communities by getting vaccinated, if that makes sense. And the dichotomy. It feels connected. It does. Well, it's class, right? Because it's like, it's I can perform Uh and be the good liberal. But when the rubber hits the road, I will choose my privilege and uh, my own, if you will, standard of living that cannot be compromised in any way, shape or form. Yeah. And I will not compromise any way sh- or I will not be uncomfortable. Mm-hmm. I will not be made. Yes. I will not be even made to feel uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, and so the most I'm willing to do is say black lives, li- black lives matter or do a hashtag. But if that actually requires my kid reading a beloved. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know, it's like it's like, it's like we were, I was talking to someone yesterday. I was like, you know, we were talking about you know this moment that we're in this moment of reckoning. And then we were like two years ago, like, how long will this moment last? And I said one year. And so it lasted like less than a year and a half uh, where you're like, hey, let's introduce diversity, equity and inclusion and actually have some change. And people are like, whoa, 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 whoa. Yeah. That's it. That's it. Yeah. Easy there. Calm down. I know. I can't have my I can't have my kid reading about browns and blacks. Mm-hmm. In school. I mean, I read Beloved growing up in mm-hmm. my white ass school in Boulder, you know, like, I can't believe I it's a question now. Mm-hmm. Because it, it goes back to like, I think Deanna's point of like, if you, if you, it's being, if if that power and privilege, really, if that privilege is threatened, uh, yeah. if you actually have to do something to make yourself uncomfortable, like a vaccine, a mask, expose yourself to mm-hmm. ideas, expose yourself to text, examine yourself, reflect, uh, that's when it's way, way too much. If you want to easily perform, through social media or a sign, I'm okay with that. And then also, no one wants to be the bad guy because no one's the bad guy, right? Yeah. We're either victims. All of us are either victims or heroes in our narrative. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, crunchy granola mom or or like you know, Desantis voter is like, I'm the victim because you are victimizing me by taking away my freedom and my choice. Mm-hmm. You are the tyrants. And meanwhile, meanwhile, we're like, we just want to protect your life. <laughs> Can you? Can you, and I'm, now I'm at the phase, I'll be transparent. I'm like, if, if you ever see the movie Batman Begins, yeah. Oh, at yeah. The end of Batman Begins, Batman tells Ross Al Ghul, I won't kill you, but I don't have to save you either. Yeah. And, yeah. And so I'm all about vaccine mandates. You can choose to not get vaccinated, and then you can ride a horse and buggy in your car. We'll be in planes, we'll be on the trains, yeah. we'll go to sporting events, we'll go to work, and you homeschool. Then mm-hmm. that's fine. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I agree. Um, so you mentioned CRT, critical race theory, and um, this is becoming a big thing in schools. And I think it connects to the article that you recently wrote for The New York Times, which is so beautiful. It made me cry. Um, how to teach a little girl to love her brown skin and how we talk with our children, educate them about race and what they see in the media and how that affects them. I mean, hearing the beginning of your article, hearing her say, I wish I had lighter skin. Mm -hmm. I wish I could say I never thought that myself. And I did several times growing up. And I thought, oh, maybe kids these days aren't experiencing that. And to read your article and to hear, oh, no, it's still happening was heartbreaking. Yeah, no, it, it, um, you know, it's the allure and power of whiteness and, and colonialism. And whiteness, uh, I'll just quickly define it, is, is not white people. It's an ideology, a system, a paradigm of supremacy that values 
this thing called white folks at, at the expense of all others, right? Mm -hmm. And as a South Asian, if you go to India or Pakistan, Southeast Asia, I've traveled, uh, you look about the billboards sometimes and you're like, oh, wait, am I living in a white supremacist society <laughs> in New Jersey? Because all the women are like like the lightest women and they sell yeah. fair and love. Literally, there used to be something called fair and yes. lovely. Now they've rebranded it. Yeah. But it's like, it sells like hotcakes by Unilever. And, uh, you know, my daughter, uh, this is Nuseba again, who uh, is five now. She survived stage four cancer. You got drained of color, chemotherapy, oh lost her hair, had tubes, you know, like everything. And, you know, some girls are just different. Uh, uh, my wife is not one of those super femi women. And we haven't like promoted that narrative, but she is a princess. Yeah. She loves her bracelets and her, you know, like little eye makeup stuff that she does on her own. We give her like <laughs> her curls, her crown. Her, like, you know, that's just how she is. Like three costume changes a day. Like stunning, <laughs> beautiful girl who survived so much. And so when she said it, it was like I said in the in the piece, a gut punch because a this girl who's five is already internalizing a concept of beauty and realizing that somehow this society values whiteness above her brown skin. And second of all, a failure on our part because we have very deliberately and consciously for seven years, my oldest son is seven, my daughter is five, and my baby is two, have deliberately tried to protect her. Mm -hmm. Like you know, the books, children's books, stories, narratives, Disney cartoons, like deliberately we're like different spectrum of colors there are princesses come in different shapes inside there's moana and there is in princess and the frog and there's rapunzel and there's also look a rabbit in zootopia and <laughs> you're beautiful and you're it's you know there's black is beautiful brown is beautiful white is beautiful in the books and so we're like okay we got this we like really taught our kids to to appreciate the diversity of beauty but also at the same time take pride not an arrogant pride, but like a type of self-affirming pride in their Desi, which means South Asian roots and, and Muslim heritage. And then boom, she says this in like late August. Yeah. And then I was just like, I'm like, dude, that, I told my wife, I'm like, no way, no way this is going to happen. So we spent like the next two months tag teaming and every day very deliberately, you know, I said it and my wife has already been saying it, but there's something about a father also, I think, stepping in. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. and, and then and then finally, 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 October 13th, I remember because I tweeted it uh, and we were just very <laughs> deliberate and unsubtle every day, every moment I could take. She looks at herself twirling around the mirror and she goes, I like my brown skin. I'm beautiful. But but that we know is not the end of it. This is going to be like a lifelong journey, journey. I hope not. But like you have to be vigilant. It's like the virus. You just have to be vigilant because the virus of whiteness will attack you. And then I wrote that piece and submitted it last week. And it's one of the rare pieces where I didn't get hate mail, but like mm. overwhelmingly, I got like so many people, so many people were grateful, thankful, oh. mom, grandparents, daughters, uh, men, uh, even a Jewish man said, believe it or not, I went through this as a Jewish man. I'm a Jewish grandfather now because back in the day, well, even now, anti-Semitism. Yeah. And so yeah. just to teach our children to love themselves, it meant a lot to me. So I think these narratives are very important and to model a type of behavior and give voice to it because so many parents, I realize, are also struggling with it. Because like you said, Indra, you went through it. My generation has for sure went through it mm -hmm. where they so casually, they so casually say stuff like, oh, I'll, I'll translate. Translation. Oh, the face is beautiful. She's so stunning. But yeah, yeah. It's always an asterisk. But yeah. So what about your own personal journey with this to self-love? Um, do you feel like you're there? What steps have you taken along the way in your South Asian identity living in America? That's a very good question. Um, uh, I, the reason why I just said uh, is because I just saw 
that uh, they acquitted Kyle Rittenhouse on all counts, which was uh, oh great, uh, we expected, but still a gut punch. Uh, yeah. I remember when I tweeted that, and I've been preparing myself for it. People said I was yeah. too cynical, but uh, oh, instead gosh. of becoming a martyr, instead of becoming a martyr, now he becomes a hero, and he's yeah. going to walk into Congress. Uh, and what this does is give a green light to aggrieved white men and women that yeah. you know, your country can stand your ground, and if need be, you too can take a gun. And take yeah. out those who threaten you, especially those who are black and brown. Yeah. And I, I tie it to your question because, especially in moments like now, mm. where America says uh, a white man or 18-year-old white young man can illegally carry a gun across state lines, shoot and kill, uh, shoot three people, kill two, get applauded by the cops. And then meanwhile, concurrently, there is a trial where there's three white men who play the victim as they hunted a black man, Ahmed Arbery, who was guilty, guilty apparently of being black while jogging. You got mm -hmm. modern day lynching. And you have Paul Gosar, who piles around with white supremacists and tweets a video of violence against AOC and not a single oh Republican. Yeah. And you have the Unite the Right rally happening right now. People are feeling that where they're trying to like, you know, convict the organizers for deliberately trying to incite violence. And they're called very good people both sides uh when you see this narrative and you're black and brown and asian uh what this tells you is this country does not value you mm -hmm. and this country values white violence mm -hmm. and your your lives don't matter yeah. uh and if your brownness and blackness and your exercising of those rights offends or disturbs the privilege of those in power they can snuff you up and your job is just to take it and so in this climate uh, you know, when we talk about like self-love, it could sound very airy-fairy and like crunchy granola. <laughs> but, uh, but, you know, this path of, of of really investing in loving yourself, your brown and black skin, your your nose, your eyes, your 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 hair, your your ethnic name, your multisyllabic name is, is it's critical for survival because everyone says resist, but resistance is also exhausting. You know, yes. it's like it's really tiring to be uh, resisting all the time. And so what I try to tell people, and, and I think there's a narrative shift here within our communities, is we should also invest in joy mm. uh, and, and find these moments in life that give you joy and hold on to them and unabashedly indulge in them. Kids, cooking, a TV show, a dress that you like, uh, a hairstyle, you know, a relationship. And, and sometimes the best success is succeeding and having a smile on your face and, and being proud of yourself and flexing and, and walking, uh, you know. You know, people say, I'm resisting Trump. And I said, for many of us, resisting Trump meant literally walking out of our house with our head held up high, having pride uh, as half this country at a time was perfectly fine with the Muslim men. Yeah. And so, you know, and so it, it, it takes a toll on you. And mm -hmm. then you see a Kyle Rittenhouse case and then Armin Arbery case. Imagine black folks, how they're feeling. So that type of uh, investment I have deliberately made since college yeah. because I just said, I'll never fit, fit into the master narrative. I'll never be Chet or Brett. Uh, I won't eat meatloaf. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I'll never fit into this. I won't. And I remember I was like 19 and I'm like, I'm tired. I'm tired of it. And so I'm like, I'll let the freak flag fly. I'll be myself. And, and that's like the trick that no one tells you is that when you're confident in your own skin, and you just be, that's when all the girls like you. And I'm like, what? <laughs> and like, that's, like, that's when all the hot women I always wanted, like, that's when I'm like, what's happening? And like, that's when you're so popular. And that's when, but it's because you exude a type of strength and confidence that is not arrogant. And then people are like, I want some of that. And you're secure, but you have to be very vigilant and work at it almost like an exercise because you're living in an environment and a country where many people are telling you to go back to where you came from. I, you get asked me a simple question. But it's something I think about a lot because I got three kids and I want to yeah. make sure that the inheritance isn't that, oh, you'll yeah. be a good victim. 
Yeah. You'll suffer really well. That's not the that's not the inheritance they're going to get from me. What was nine uh, eleven like for you? Nine eleven for me was this watershed moment for my generation. I'm 41. I was about to turn 21. I was a senior at UC Berkeley, and there was a fork in the timeline. And so some people say Donald Trump was that fork in their timeline for this younger generation, right? Or the pandemic. Yeah. I think for people around my age, that was a pre nine eleven, post nine eleven. And for a brown kid who grew up in the suburbs of uh, Fremont, California, despite a lot of challenges, my parents still, uh, you know inoculated me from a lot of it. Uh, mm-hmm. Overnight, many of us, and even though I was a little bit more aware at that time, but many of us realized we're not white yeah. and we're never going to be white. I was always very brown, Muslim-y. I indulged in it. You know, I was like the token Muslim guy, token brown guy, took pride in it. But there's a realization that this country turns on you on a dime. Yeah, yeah. And even though I was in Berkeley and the two towers fell, that's when I started getting my hate mail. Why'd you guys do this? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, they blame this thing called Islam. And then we were told us versus them. And people forget this country went crazy after 9-11. Like Dixie Chicks were enemy number one. Dixie yeah, Chicks, like the whitest totally. woman on earth. Uh, <laughs> yeah, in 2003, had like like the most popular tour. Natalie Maines, the lead singer, yeah. was, I'm embarrassed that George W. Bush is from Texas, y'all. That's all she said. Yeah. And they boycotted them and they took tractors yeah. over their CDs. You guys remember mm-hmm. that? Oh, yeah. I, I don't I, remember are, that. That's You wild. and I are the same age. You and yeah, I are the same age. Again, yeah, and the bonfires. And so in that climate, it, I always tell people, it wasn't just... Islamophobia, the war on terror just didn't affect Muslims. Hmm. It affected everyone who was Muslimy. And, and the mm-hmm. important point is that the first hate crime that happened a couple of days after 9-11 was against Balbir Singh. Wait for it. A sick man yeah. mm-hmm. in Mesa, Arizona, mm. yeah. who wore a turban and a white supremacist killed him to get revenge against those people who took down the towers. Yep. The, the people who took down the towers were 19 foreign hijackers, 15 from Saudi Arabia, a couple from UAE, Egypt, and uh, uh, Lebanon. But it doesn't matter. Tag your it. Yep. This story is a remake. And if you don't believe me, look at the summer and what's happening right now against the AAPI community, where there were like over 3,000 recorded hate crimes where you literally had to start a new group called Stop AAPI Hate mm-hmm. because people were going around accosting, assaulting, and even killing innocent Asian Americans for a pandemic that last time I checked does not have an ethnicity or a religion. And so what we're dealing with, in my opinion, is the death rattle of white supremacy that has become a death march. Mm-hmm. And it's a reclamation project. And Kyle Rittenhouse is, is an example. Mm-hmm. And they're playing for all the marber, marbles. And that's why it's so important whenever I tell parents, oh, I'm just going to tap out. I'm going to live in my suburban community. I'm going to make money. Let this com- country figure it out. I'm like, we can't tap out because our children will inherit this country. Mm-hmm. And yes, we're overwhelmed as parents all the time. Yeah. We're overwhelmed with climate change, pandemic, debt. But in our daily actions, in our home even, even in our school boards, at the PTA meetings, we can choose to be a different type of America and influence the narrative and the community around us, right? That's all we can do. And little by little, we can model that type of America for our kids because we have to think about what type of a country our kids were going to inherit, especially our kids who are biracial, brown skinned, caramel skinned women, uh, because I'm telling you, the Kyle Rittenhouses and the Paul Gostars and the Matt Gates and the Marjorie Taylor Greens, they want it all. They're playing for all the marbles. And in in their vision of America, our kids will always be second. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yep. And I'm not for it. Not for that either. Wajahat, thank you so much. Um, Oh my gosh. Can you please tell our listeners about your book that will be coming out in January? Yes, I would love to come back and talk to you guys. Uh, Sorry that I had to cut this short. Uh, I really enjoyed it, but it's called Go Back to Where You Came From and other helpful recommendations on how to become American. It's coming out (laughs) January 25th. It's my first book. It's uh, hopefully like a Trojan horse of a book uh, where uh, through humor and narratives and stories, I'm able to chart a story 
uh, of America, where we've been specifically in the last 30 years, and I think where we're going. And despite it sometimes being scathing, uh, it ends on a hopeful note. And I've been very lucky to get really nice reviews and, and affirmation from people I respect. And they say it doesn't suck. <laughs> and it moves back. Uh, and so um, I would love to come and talk to you guys about it. Yes, in great. Thank we will so read it much. and have you back. Thank you so much. And have a great rest of your day. Thank you, guys. Have a good weekend. Bye. Okay, bye. Bye.